If you're ready to learn how technology is driving business innovation in Cincinnati and beyond, you're tuned in to the right podcast. Join us for interviews and discussions with business leaders, innovators, and visionaries. With our host, Sam Schutte, CEO of Unstoppable Software, this is Unstoppable Talk. Okay, we are here with Nate Rothkar. Nate is the Director of Growth for AlertOps Incorporated. Nate, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks so much for having me. And AlertOps is an alert aggregation and notification platform. It's a web-based SaaS product that's used by IT and DevOps and other uh, departments to help the right people get the right notifications at the right time, basically. Um, so we're going to look at this tool today and dive into it some with with Nate. Nate, maybe a place to start is if you can tell us a little bit about sort of your career history and how do you came to be with the company. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. So originally I was looking at, um, I was actually kind of started in college with just being interested in business and startups. I think I started a, a couple different companies and, um, in college that, you know, one was like a radio station and one was like a, like a traveling company. And I, hmm. I just kind of got involved in, in starting things. So I just got in, interested in building things and starting things at that point. And I uh, went to work at a startup in Denver, uh, Colorado, and then kind of ended up in Hong Kong for a, for a period and then ended up back in Chicago. Um, wow. Yeah. So then I started doing um, not a startup per se in Chicago, but we were doing um, it was sort of an internal, almost like an internal startup for a company. Um, and that, that did pretty well. And then, um, you know, met with the team here at AlertOps and I met with the CEO. He was starting some pretty interesting things. Um, and really, that's kind of when I got interested in, in what they were doing. And, and they had validated this, uh, this product to a point where I felt like it was something viable that we could kind of take and, and really, really run with it. Okay. And, and, and where did the company sort of get started and, and how did it come about? Yeah. So, um, AlertOps really came from a conversation that the, the CEO had with, um, like a fortune 1000 company that was struggling with, um, specifically notifications on during major incidents on like black Friday. And I think that was hmm. the actual use case was black Friday. Um, so really specific use case. Uh, and really what happened was their team, um, met with our team regularly, you know, got all the requirements that essentially the checklist for here's everything we would possibly need, um, to help us respond to a major incident during black Friday to resolve it. Right. Hmm. So that's a pretty powerful checklist to, to get in the first place. Uh, but then even on top of that, um, they were able to validate it because they were Essentially, that that Fortune 1000 purchased it, um, and that kind of validated it at that point to, to where it was something that we could, you know, start rolling out um, to the to the rest of the companies. I see. So yeah, and maybe for our listeners, I'll I can talk a little bit about the environment that people are working in when they need a tool such as this. So I mean, imagine if you're talking about a major retailer, you've got 
you know, your all your servers and, and websites and e-commerce stuff going on. You've got your, um, of course, all your email servers and all the sort of operational IT stuff. And then you've also got, you know, cash registers and all the sort of point of sale stuff happening. And all of those systems, you know, obviously have to be happening and working the right way during such a major event like Black Friday or else there's a problem if somebody can't uh, purchase their shopping cart online or if they can't run their credit card in the store. Uh, and so without, I guess maybe talk about where do these, what kind of alerts are we talking about? What, where do these alerts come from? What kind of things can happen that even creates an alert? Like what kind of alert are we talking about? Yeah. Well, I think, you know, you kind of hit it on the spot there, but when you're talking about uh, an event like Black Friday, right, where there's uh, just a rush and influx of, of people and, and everything essentially that everything you've built and worked so hard for, for the year becomes at its max, it's overloaded. It's, mm-hmm. um, you know, things are going to have to start scaling. Uh, at that point you're, you're getting just a ton of alerts from monitoring tools. There's, there's tons and tons of alert noise out there. So there's a lot of different tools, a lot of different monitoring tools that are sending alerts out. Um, so one of the primary use cases is typically alert noise. Like, um, you know, emails, just think about, you know, the number of emails in your inbox, right? So if you're getting mm-hmm. tons and tons of emails and it could even be from one, well, it could even be from one thing. Uh, maybe there's 10 different things um, that this monitoring tool is monitoring and it's going to send you 10 alerts for just one thing. Um, so there's a couple different use cases in there, but one of the big things is alert noise. And, uh, you know, on top of that, you get into multiple team schedules, uh, automations and notifying stakeholders and a bunch of other stuff. But uh, at, at the fundamental basic version one of kind of what an alerting tool would, would do would be um, just help with the alert noise. Just help. I have all these, I'm monitoring, you know, hundreds and hundreds of things. Just help me filter through this, prioritize these and get the right alert to the right person. Yeah, exactly. Because in a sort of, you know, unstructured, unorganized environment, then everyone gets all alerts. I mean, that's sort of worst case, right? Is is your entire team gets every alert from low priority up, and that just doesn't really work. Um, if you're if you're anything larger than a small business, more or less. Um, and so, maybe describe uh, the software product a bit. You know, how do people use it typically? I mean, obviously, it's a web based product. Um, but what are some of the what are some of the most important features in it that people uh, take advantage of? Sure. Um, so uh, fundamentally, AlertOps is just a communication platform, and um, so it, you know it empowers organizations to to respond in real time, um, and specifically around business critical incidents, and uh, it's extremely flexible and customizable. So um, so that means it can do everything from you know your basic on-call scheduling and on-call alerting, right? For small teams, maybe just one team. And it can scale all the way up to very complex, unique enterprise challenges that that have, you know, maybe hundreds of integrations and hundreds of teams around the world on different t- in different time zones. Um, so it can scale all the way up to that. So it's very flexible in that in that regard. So really one of the fundamental things is is on-call scheduling and Really, our, the on-call scheduling that we provide is is enterprise grade, and that, and I guess what what kind of differentiates that is that you know you might have a a, a team, but you might have a team within a team, and mm-hmm. we kind of define teams as groups. So, um, 
So a team could be, you know, the DevOps team, but really you might have a team that's devoted to dev and another team devoted to ops. You know, you might have different, and maybe there's another team that's just the whole DevOps team, right? So there's different teams within teams. If you kind of think about it, there's sort of a parent child relationship there. Uh, mm-hmm. And that's something that we're able to kind of take advantage of uh, on that, that scheduling side. But uh, some of the other things would just be like automations, uh, building workflows, uh, being able to integrate one tool into another tool. Um, you know, typically you'll see a flow, right? So you'll have like a monitoring tool and that'll be connected either to alert ops or, you know, a ticketing tool, um, like say ServiceNow. So you'll either have, you know, a flow going monitoring tool to ServiceNow to alert ops or monitoring tool to alert ops to ServiceNow. Um, there's going to be some kind of flow like that. And, um, and we're able to do two way integrations with, with both ends. So two way integrations with a monitoring tool two-way integrations with ServiceNow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and something, I mean, one use case we kind of walked through when I took a look at the software was, you know, I could imagine, imagine you have a situation where, uh, let's say, a, a database goes down. Well, so that event might happen because you have some monitoring system and you don't want that to just go out in an email to everybody, right? So it goes into your software and your DBA, your database administrator, they might get alerted, but you almost you also might want, you know, your web application developers alerted, but they're not going to be the ones that fix it, but they need to know uh, because if they were planning on pushing out a build that night, they don't want to bother doing that if the database is down because then they might screw up their web server and end up in a bad state, right? Um, and so, you know, the DBAs might get alerted and then they might need to create a ticket of like, okay, I, maybe they can't fix it because if a hard drive was the problem and it died you know, they're going to need a, the hardware person to do that. Right. So, you know, there's all kinds of buttons and acknowledgement, uh, uh, features within the software, um, that if they get an alert via Slack, for instance, they can say, I acknowledge it, or I assign it to someone else and, and basically allows that kind of workflow to happen. Right. Right. There's a few different, a few different roles within, um, how things can be set up. And then there's also those different types of, um, response, you know, assignment, versus acknowledge. Um, so yeah, typically you'll have, and, and I think that's pretty typical across most on-call um, scheduling is you'll have a primary and they're responsible for, you know, some sort of part of that business. Um, and they're, when they get alerted, they're responsible for kind of responding to that. Um, you know, if they're asleep or they're, you know, on an airplane and unable to respond, you're going to have a secondary and then maybe even a tertiary. Um, and then we, like you said, we have those two different types of uh, responses. You have uh, assignment, which we would categorize as ownership. So you've you've taken ownership at this point, and you're gonna you're gonna run with it, and you're going you're going to um, uh, resolve it. You're responsible for that. And the other one is um, acknowledgement. So uh, if you're acknowledging it, you're just saying, hey, yeah, thank you, you know, thank you for the alert at two a.m. Uh, <laughs> I've seen this, uh, <laughs> and and uh, that kind of lets the, the you know your management team know that you've seen it, you were aware of it. And that kind of helps with accountability too. Okay. Every, you know, cause the manager's thinking who saw this and how come it maybe didn't get, how come nobody took assignment on this one? Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so it kind of helps with some of that accountability. Uh, in some cases, some managers will want everybody to, to, um, acknowledge and only one person to assign in some cases, you know, and in some cases we're flexible with that too. So like maybe you'll only want, um, maybe you'll only want the, assignment button. You don't even want the acknowledgement button. Well, you know, that's possible too. So it kind of depends on the business case, but 
it's very flexible and, you know, it can, it can kind of accommodate both of those. Um, but yeah, so like, you know, if the prime, if the primary, um, doesn't respond after 10 minutes, um, you know, it can be escalated to the, to the secondary. If, if nobody responds, it can be escalated to a manager. Um, Mm -hmm. and I think one of the, one of the cool things about it is it doesn't have to be the same message. Um, right. It doesn't have to be the exact same message. The manager could actually get a slightly different message than the tech responders. Um, Mm -hmm. and and even other stakeholders could get different messages. So like the, if it makes it all the way up, you know, to the CIO or the CEO, they may want to know what's going on. They may want to know, uh, Hey, something's going on. We're working on it. Right. And that kind of, that kind of allows some separation, um, as far as the the tech guys are working on the tech stuff, the business guys are working on the business stuff. And, um, so the C levels, maybe they need to be in the loop, but they don't need to know, you know, server B is down, right? Yeah. They don't need to know the very specific technical stuff that's going on. And that kind of expands out to like business partners, uh, customers. You want to keep everybody in the loop in different ways. Um, so that's kind of a cool thing. Yeah. Cause you can format like, for instance, if you were alerting people via email, customers want, you know, you might want them to have a very pretty graphic, you know, nice email that they receive that tells them exactly what's going on. And, you know, if you have questions, call this number, or if you need, if you need help, call your accountant, you know, representative, all this sort of stuff. Um, whereas, you know, an internal person, he, he wouldn't need that level of sort of detail, right? Um, so you can customize those emails that go out, which is cool. Um, you know, and it's interesting, just from an escalation standpoint, I think it's I think it's valuable to have this kind of tool that you can put real intelligence to it because we've built, you know, as I was telling you earlier, we've built some custom systems and sort of email engines to do this sort of stuff before. And the problem that we usually see is you start building it and people say, hey, every time, for instance, a job is late or some task is late, I want an email to go out. Well, then you turn that on and you start getting thousands of emails, you know, sometimes a day. We, we had one you know, a customer that sort of underestimated how many things were actually late, right? (laughs) Uh, And then you say, okay, very quickly, of course, can we wrap those all up into one digest email, right? Well, but nobody really reads the digest, right? Um, And so you end up basically blind. Um, And 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 I've also found it certainly – Motiv- nothing motivates a support team more than, like you said, the CIO getting an alert because they didn't respond to it in time. Nobody clicked acknowledge and it made its way all up the change and, and sort of now there's a, you know what I mean? <laughs> Somebody's really uh, screaming about it. Uh, but it, but if they, but you also don't want your, you know, your main big boss man to be on the global distribution list that gets every single email because he'll go crazy, right? He or she will go crazy getting that uh, many alerts. Right. And, and, you know, the, the other great thing is there's a, there's definitely those, those rule sets are there for, um, you know, if it's been 30 minutes, do this. If, if nobody's responded, do this. So you can kind of create those, um, those operators to kind of tell it what to do depending on different situations. Uh, it's all, you know, it's very much part of the, the workflows engine that exists. It's a very robust workflows engine. So, uh, you, you can do quite a bit with it. Yeah, and, and like I was sort of describing, some of the use cases I've seen out in the wild is at least that we've directly been pulled into just sort of the alert world is around project status and stuff like that and, you know, customer deadlines and, and things, you know, out, and we talked about retail a little bit and just sort of general, 
servers being up and down. What are some other um, sort of business use cases you've seen that are, that are you know, some of the uh, more interesting ones you all have sort of deployed it for? Yeah. So, for instance, uh, there's a there's a very large um, game development company that we work with. Um, you would, you know, easily know who they are, but, uh, you know, they, they use probably, they probably use our system better than anybody else at this point. They've mm-hmm. really maximized it. Um, and some of the use cases that they have were really around policy even. Um, so if you think about it, you have all these different teams in these organizations. Um, you know, maybe small businesses have a lot of teams, but really once you get up to, um, small enterprises, large enterprises, you're dealing with hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of IT, uh, people and teams. So, and each one of those teams, you know, if, if you're not careful, each one of those teams might have like a little special tool that they want to use. If you know what I mean? Like you might, you know, you might have, um, one guy really wants to use a uh, service now. And then this other guy wants to use share. Well, you know, and there's all these different, I'm name dropping, but you know, there's all these different, you know, tools that they might use. Um, and even for monitoring, like, uh, you know, new relic app dynamics, uh, you know, just to, there's always these different tools that they're wanting to to bring in and use. And uh, typically there's some kind of policy where they can, they're able to do that with their credit card or whatever, right? And they're mm-hmm. getting reimbursed and they have like one user. Uh, the, there's a problem with that. I mean, it's really cool. It creates a lot of flexibility within the organization to get things done, right? But over time, there there's problems especially related to incidents where uh, you don't know what's important. Uh, you don't know what a, what what's a priority. Because mm-hmm. what happens is team A is using tool A and team B is using tool B and both of them think their stuff's important, right? <laughs> both of them, yeah. both of them, you know, they don't want to get on the chopping block for not having marked it as important. Um, so really build, being able to build and enforce a policy hmm. um, around what an incident is, if it's high priority or low priority, uh, how it gets escalated within the organization. Um Using uh, a one tool like Alert Ops helps you really develop a policy for the entire organization on how how those incidents get get escalated, and then how how they get resolved. So that's been a huge use case for uh, at least one of our customers that they didn't even know they had. Uh, they they saw they were using um, I think they're using ServiceNow, but they um, they started having just all these problems. Uh, they just started seeing like all these different problems. Uh, once they implemented alert ops, just because there were, again, many different priority levels coming in as high priority. So mm-hmm. once they started implementing alert ops, they started seeing, oh, okay, well, that's not important. You, you guys, that's not a, that's not P1. I'm sorry. That's not, mm-hmm. that's not going to cut it. Right. And then, so what that allows you to do though, is create some efficiencies, right? Some operational efficiencies around, we're going to focus our time on P1s and then we'll worry about, you know, we'll, we'll worry about the other ones later. Um, so that's just one, you know, one use case. Hmm. So can you do stuff like if there's, you know, priority one items or alerts outstanding that, you know, not tell people about lower priority ones yet until the higher priority ones are addressed, something like that? Or how does that, how do you kind of prioritize that, I guess? Yeah. I mean, really that would come down to the ticketing, uh, platform, right? Like, so we're not Hmm. a, we're not a monitoring tool. We're not a ticketing tool, but we can facilitate that. Um, so uh, I'm trying to think like how that would work, but you know, essentially you could, uh, essentially if you want to do something like that, I think you would probably just push it, push all of the, push everything to service now probably, right. Or some other ticketing tool. Mm-hmm. 
And then you would push all of that again to alert ops. Um, all those alerts would come to alert ops then. And then we would look at that information with the ServiceNow information and then parse it and, and kind of um, fix it up and send it back into ServiceNow. I see. Okay. And and you had talked about, so that's interesting that, you know, sort of your, uh, the policy management you talked about. I think you had talked a little bit to me about, uh, you know, customers in the medical emergency room and healthcare space. So when, you know, in that space, uh, are they strictly doing sort of IT alerting or is it also, I mean, are they doing more kind of healthcare specific, uh, you know, medical devices or something like that, or, you know, CAT scan machines sending alerts or <laughs> what kind of, what, what's, what are some of the special uses in healthcare, I guess, for, for your system? Yeah. And again, it's a, it's a communication tool, right? So, yeah. um, we can adjust phone calls and emails and, you know, API, um, you know, a lot of different, we can adjust a lot of different data. Um, and then we're able to kind of map that and then, um, transform it into something else and then, and then send it out however it needs to be sent out. Um, I think, you know, for, for medicine in particular, a lot of especially with hospitals, there's a challenge with the walls being extremely thick and there's a, there's a challenges with just protection, um, from like radiation. And there's like all these different layers that, that are very challenging for them. Same thing. Like if you were in a bunker for like for the U S government, right? Like I think a lot of the, the government still uses like archaic technology just cause they're in, they're in a bunker. Mm -hmm. um, so they can't really, you know, they can't use like modern technology in, in some cases. So it's been a challenge, especially with some, you know, like hospitals and certain institutions like that, um, but we do, I think we do work with, uh, emergency responders. So like ambulances, 911, um, like the actual, uh, with, with the actual hospitals, but, um, you know, the guys that are actually on call for responding to those, um, that's certainly a use case hmm. and, uh, quite a bit of, um, we, we offer sort of an, it's a inbound calling. So you can, you can call a phone number and it'll route it. Hmm. Um, so I think they use that quite a bit too. Yeah. And you'd, speaking of telephone, uh, so for your phone alerting, cause you can have, you can have it sending out alerts over a phone call, I think as well. Is that right? Yeah. So you can send out a voice message. Yeah. There's a few okay. different methods. Yeah. Okay. So, it, so it'll call you and basically we can, can it do something like read what, uh, you know, text to voice, something like that, read a message you've got in there. Or does it, does it call and actually play a, you know, MP3 file or something you've given it or how does that kind of work? Yeah. So within the system, um, you can do, um, I think the methods are email, SMS, uh, in integrations. So like that would kind of lead to, you know, chat ops like Slack, MS teams, um, voice messages and then push. So for voice messages, that's simply reading off uh, a message that you type in. Yeah. Hmm. So that'll, yeah, that'll, okay. that'll read that off. Yep. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. Cause even you're right that particularly like within hospitals, uh, pagers and cell phones. I mean, at least it's been a while since I've done a lot of work in the basement of hospitals, but I have spent a lot of time there in the past in my career. And they would often have uh, more like, you know, portable landline phones, for instance, or or that might be a case in which ha having your app running on their phone that they can get to over Wi-Fi is better than relying on like an SMS, for instance, because they're not going to get that signal most likely in the basement somewhere, right? Right, absolutely, yeah. Let's take a quick break. 
This podcast is sponsored by Unstoppable Software, a Cincinnati-based technology consulting firm. At Unstoppable Software, we bolt on to your company's team and accelerate their ability to deliver custom software development projects. With our deep experience in manufacturing, engineering, and healthcare, we can tailor systems for process improvement, data analytics, machine learning, and document workflow, so they become a user-friendly, perfect fit for your employees and the way they want to work. To learn more about how we make our clients unstoppable, visit us at unstoppablesoftware.com or call us at 513-382-8499. And now, back to Unstoppable Talk. And I was curious too, you, so we, you mentioned ServiceNow a lot, and I think a lot of folks are probably familiar with that. Uh, where, obviously, ServiceNow and AlertOps are different tools. Um, you know, can you kind of describe some of the differentiation there of where people would use one and not the other? Yeah. I mean, you know, if you think about alerting, people think of alerting as um, just a notification, um, you know, and really when you get down to it, it is. Um, some of the differences between ServiceNow and AlertOps would be ServiceNow uh, covers an umbrella of different things, right? IT service management. Uh, it's covering the ticketing side and it's covering some of the scheduling and some of the alerting in some cases, it kind of depends on which modules you get, but really in essence, ServiceNow is doing the ticketing, right? They're, they're handling the tickets, making sure that there's resolution to the incident. Uh, really where AlertOps steps in though, is there's, there's some things that ServiceNow is currently not very good at. Um, and those are scheduling and notifications. Hmm. So really where we step in is where, Um, and where we do the best in the world is the response side. So when there's teams that need to respond to something, Mm -hmm. you know, that's going to be very, you know, alert ops is going to do very well in that area when it's something related to resolution and, you know, maybe postmortems and ticketing and some of that stuff. ServiceNow is going to, going to take that and do a really good job with it. You know, they're, they're a great company and, uh, we don't pretend to compete with, with ServiceNow and we, we don't compete with them. Um, we integrate with them. <laughs> yeah, so that's really probably the you know when you look at an ROI standpoint, um, if you're trying to sell to customers or you know demonstrate ROI to customers, probably just the ability to respond to issues more quickly by getting the right message to the right person. That is that kind of what you really focus on as far as you know. Here's your ROI you're going to get, or you know, what's your message there. Yeah, if if you have something, if you're protecting business critical uh, infrastructure, right, or business critical services that are uh, impacting your top line revenue, um, then you know you need to respond to those quickly. Um, and and that's not just like the Black Friday use case for some e-commerce store. That could be, you know, there's a variety of different use cases where you want somebody looking at that twenty four seven. You want somebody um, available to respond to something that happens twenty four seven. Um, especially when it impacts your, your bottom line or your top line. Right. So, so it's kind of like uh, different businesses are different. Um, mm-hmm. if response is important and getting that online quickly is important, um, then, you know, alert ops is, is going to help there. Gotcha. Okay. 
Cool. Um, and now, so in your role uh, as director of growth, obviously you're working on, you know, not just the product design and, and, and marketing stuff, but you're, you're kind of ru- uh, running a lot of different um, sections of the company or driving a lot of change there. Uh, what are, I, I'm, I think folks would be interested, uh, you know, you all are a, uh, uh, a small, medium-sized business uh, right outside of Chicago. Uh, what are some of the ways and, and manners, you're, manners you're working on growing the company? Um, you know, where do you sort of invest a lot of your effort in that regard? Yeah, great question. Yeah. Yeah, we've had a lot of success in different areas. I think, you know, we just, we try different things. Uh, we try to keep things very lean. Uh, we try not to be wasteful, right? So we're always looking at how can we maximize every dollar that we spend. Um, and really, we've seen a lot of success with content, actually, just building hmm. building great content. Um and, and really, you know, spending a lot of that money on the website and just pouring it back into the product. And um, there hasn't been any, and there's been no silver, there's been no silver bullet or anything like that. It's really been just trial and error, um, reaching out to people, letting people know that we exist, right? Kind of getting the message out, being involved with with conversations on Quora or different hmm. forums. Um, I think I even, I invaded a Slack channel recently and just started, you know, <laughs> helping out. Um, quote unquote helping out. Um, so, so yeah, just sort of like trying to be, trying to be there for, for people. I think a lot of companies still don't know this kind of thing exists. Uh, Gardner says the penetration rate is like five to 20% amongst mm-hmm. enterprises. So that tells me there's a lot of people out there that are still using spreadsheets and, and a good old fashioned phone, um, or, or, or a pager, God forbid. Yeah. And I think, I mean, I would imagine that a lot of enterprise customers I've worked around, they kind of just have an on-call guy, you know, um, who's, it's his job to be on call that weekend or whatever. And just anything and everything that happens, he has to route it all and it comes to him, you know, and decide whether or not he needs to reach out to somebody else or not. Um, And of course, like you said, he probably has a spreadsheet somewhere with other information in it. Um, but he, you know, it's all basically manual. I mean, and there's no escalation cause he just is, you know, escalating himself based on what happens. Um, so I don't, I don't doubt that, that the, like you said, the penetration is in that range. Um, uh, but it sounds like you guys are kind of, you're kind of taking an omni-channel marketing approach. So you're seeing, you're getting opportunities from a lot of different places. Um, and like you said, not one particular silver, silver bullet. Um, <clears throat> is there a particular type of content that's you know worked the best for you or i mean do you have a lot of white papers folks can download or is it blog posts you're making or videos or you know when you say content what type of stuff is is uh is working well yeah well I, yeah and like you said it's it's very much cross-channel or, or omni-channel mm-hmm. um i think the the three primary that we've looked at have been um as far as outreach uh, content, uh, that's not really content, but we'll just call it content for the sake of this. But, you know, emails, mm-hmm. LinkedIn, just reaching out to people, connecting with people, and then um, phone calls, just a good old-fashioned call, um, you know, can go mm-hmm. a long way sometimes. So, those are that's some of the more difficult things to do sometimes. Um, but as far as the content building side, you know, uh, building great, writing great articles, right? Um, so, we kind of go through a process where... We were at one point, I think, writing one to two articles, you know, uh, a month, maybe maybe up to four a month, uh, mm-hmm. just kind of really pumping them out. 
Uh, and we got, you know, that was, that was great. We got great traffic from that. Really the, the goal for that was let's, you know, let's rank for some more keywords that people are searching for. Let's get our, let's get our brand out there. Let's get what we do out there a little bit so that people searching for a solution, right? Like five to 20% penetration isn't very much. So there's a lot of people potentially looking for something or they're just trying to get educated about other things that could be possible. Uh, so the more content we write about that, the more we can help out. Um, so it's really, how do, how do we write helpful content? How do we share it and, um, and promote it through different channels? Um, and then really just making sure, you know, on the SEO side, search engine optimization side that we're doing due diligence as well. Just making sure that we have, uh, you know, good keywords in there that is structured correctly and then that it's really great content. Um, so mm. we, we go through a process of, we have a technical writer who writes great content and then we have a copywriter and he looks over it. Um, you know, I look over it. So, uh, and then, then I promote it out of my own channels too. Right. So we're, we're just always, we're all in, we're, we're trying to promote great content and create great content. And what are some of the what are some of the keywords that you find folks are looking for in this space? I mean, are they just out searching for a alerting tool, or uh, you know, what are some of those words that line up with what you're trying to provide? Well, it varies quite. I mean, it varies quite a bit. Um, so, if you're thinking about keywords that convert to business, it's a little different than you know keywords that. Um, somebody in college is researching something on, right? Mm -hmm. So, um, right. So ping, we don't want to rank for ping, but, but, yeah, yeah. uh, but we do want to rank for, you know, major incident or P1 incident or something like that. Hmm. Uh, because those people are, they're handling very complex, very stressful environments and, and they're potentially going to be able to use a tool like, like the one we provide. Um, but we, we kind of do everything, you know, we, we, we rank for, um, some of those, uh, some of those incident ones and, and some of the ones that are a little bit more educational, like, let me teach you about it, you know, like, let me teach you about what mm -hmm. an incident is. Um, so we kind of do some of the educational approach and then some of those are very much just geared towards, uh, you're in this situation, you need this kind of a solution. I see. Now, do you all go to a lot of trade shows or belong to particular, uh, sort of trade groups or business groups that have, uh, been effective for you or, or where you kind of, how do you kind of utilize that? Well, we, we attend as many shows as we can. Uh, as far as sponsorships go, we kind of limit the sponsorships we do. Like I said, we're very careful about, uh, our spend on, um, just different things. So we, mm -hmm. you know, we were looking at how far is this dollar really going to go at this event versus that event. And what we did was we just attended a ton of events over the past year or two um, and really kind of dialed it into, um, just a few key events. So, and, and, you know, a lot of those are integration partners. Um, mm -hmm. so really the tools that we integrate with, those are great candidates. Um, and then some of the larger ones, you know, like Gardner, those are huge. So, um, really just kind of being very careful with that, but we do attend events and sponsor events. Uh, and I think we recently sponsored, uh, MIM conference, which was a major incident management conference that happened. Hmm online. So that was kind of a fun one. I think that's the first time it's ever been done. They're kind of, they're kind of, um, just owning that community right now. They're just, there, there's no community out there for major incident management or I guess major incident managers. So they're really, um, yeah, they're really just helping out with building that community, uh, kind of building some processes around that, yeah. sharing some great, uh, content. I think they have 
online courses and things you can take to get, you know, certificates and things like that. But, but yeah, it was fun to, it was fun to be a headliner for them and, uh, just kind of share what we're building. Yeah. And that's, I'm not really too familiar with that, with that very, uh, particular space, but I mean, so that's an actual job title and profession someone has as a major incident, major, major incident manager. I mean, that's their, they're certified as that. Is that a, yeah, that's their title. So, um, right. And, uh, so there'll, there'll be teams that just, you know, are watching stuff constantly. And when something big does happen and you think about the biggest companies in the world, right. Um, think about like Apple computer, right? Like what would happen if their website went down after they launched something, you know, like those are some, that's some serious, um, that's some serious revenue. Mm -hmm. Um, I think Amazon last year on Prime Day, we just passed Prime Day, I think, right? It was only like yeah. last week. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So like last year, I don't know if you remember, but it went down. Mm. Do you remember that? Yeah, I think I heard that. Yeah. Yeah. So and it was a weird, it was a weird cascading thing where that went down then YouTube went down. But, um, but Prime, like seriously, Prime Day, uh, their website went down and I think I read they lost a potentially a hundred million dollars in revenue in one hour. Yeah. I believe yeah. it. So there's a team. <laughs> There's a team that's, uh, I think, probably well paid, and they they're there for when that happens, and that's considered mm. a P1 incident for them, and they're essentially just facilitating. Everybody jumps on a phone call. Um, all the key players are jumping on a phone call on a bridge, um, trying to figure out what happened. Different teams, right? You'll have a database team and you know developers yeah. and operational guys. It's Everybody. Probably, will- there's probably a helicopter and some guy rappelling down a rope involved somewhere. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> right, right. That's what I get in my head, right? That's what I imagine. Right. Yeah. So, and it's a very, it's stressful. It's, it's a very stressful situation. And, and what the problem with like a with situation like that is if you're using a spreadsheet and you have to figure out, okay, I need to get these teams on a call, right? Across different time zones. Like, who do I call? Like, who do I add to this? Um, so really having a system in place and I, and I think one of the cool things we can do is like a manual, it's a manual template. So one thing that they use a lot is a manual, uh, sort of like a manual trigger for a template. So you would have a template in there that has everybody's on, everybody's schedules in there and it's only going to alert the people, you know, that it needs to alert. And then there's, uh, there's different messages that go out to those different teams depending on who they are. Um, and everything's kind of pre-configured in there. Um, even the stakeholders, right? So even like, um, partners and business partners and, and CIOs and, you know, all these other different people that need to get notified beyond mm-hmm. just the ones that need to respond, the ones that actually just need to know about what's going on. Um, so that's all kind of just pre-configured in this one big red button that they push. And then, you know, it just triggers it um, to where they're on a bridge or they're talking and, and they're able to kind of get on with it. You know, they're able to actually respond and start resolving the incident instead of just trying to spend 30 minutes figuring out who do, you know, who do I call? Yeah, that's. I think that's the thing that some people don't realize too. That aren't aren't exactly in that large data center space is just the thousands of servers and thousands of resources and and everything else involved on these sort of enterprise class uh, hosting environments. Um, you know that you just can't get by with uh, old fashioned tools for that. You know, um, and and the more intelligence you can bring to something like alerting the faster things are going to get resolved um because it's just you know like you said nobody can afford and it's just way too expensive for anybody that size uh really any business in the top say uh 5000 companies even um they're all losing millions of dollars an hour 
you know, to be down for any reason like that. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, and it, it's getting worse. I mean, you're, you're hearing about security breaches all the time. Um, there's definitely a use case there for security. Mm-hmm. Um, there's just, there's a lot of different use cases and that's just beyond alerting, right? And an alert's just a, it's a piece of communication. It's just a piece of information that we're passing on. So if you think about it in terms of uh, an enablement tool, uh, it kind of sits between a lot of different systems and just passes information from one to another. And it kind of helps um, with data transformation or mm-hmm. even, um, even you know, on a strategic level, digital transformation. So if you have information from one tool that you need to send to another tool, you know, you can do it through alert ops. You don't have to, you know, code some special way of doing that. Um, it's an open, it's an open API and it's no code. So that what that means is you're able to, you know, you don't have to worry about coding anything. You just map it. Uh, I get all the fields from a, and I map it to B and it's good to go. Yeah. I think that, and to some degree, you know, tools like Zapier and stuff out there are very popular for some of that sort of very lightweight, um, public facing API type data interchange, Mm -hmm. but they're too limited. So to some degree, um, a tool like alert ops can, you know, is like that on steroids or it can serve that purpose, right. Um, of, of moving data between systems based on conditions. Yeah, absolutely. And and I use Zapier too by myself, you know, uh, and that's a really easy way to do basic integrations. Uh, I want to do this if this happens. Um, but yeah, on a, on a level, on a whole nother level, on a whole nother level where, you know, you're technical, you know what you're doing, you know, you're, you're familiar with playing with rest APIs and, uh, you like kind of digging into systems. Uh, you can do anything you want to do. You know, it's not just the three things that Zapier lets you do. It's literally everything that that platform is capable of. And if you build a custom, you know, something custom on that other end, it can pull that custom field in even, you know, and do something with that. So it's, it's like an extreme version of that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And so in your product, so I mean, it's completely SaaS based, like we talked about, um, uh, how do, I guess, can folks run it on premise as well? Or or how do they kind of, um, I guess they're integrating sort of all their on-premise systems up into your cloud, uh, hosting. Is that right? Yeah, we get asked that a lot. Um, originally, it was built for on-prem, um, but since then, we've kind of migrated it out to its own. You know, to, to it runs on Microsoft Azure. It's a you know fully SaaS, um, and there's really no reason to do on-prem. You know, uh, maybe if you wanted to control your own security, but I mean, at the same time, are you saying that your security is better than you know Microsoft Azure's? Yeah, maybe it is. I don't know, but um, and you know if that's the question if, I always ask you, too. <laughs> if you have a power outage, uh, who's getting alerted? Nobody, uh, right? So yeah, um, right. If you have an outage, then that's a problem. Um, so kind of like it makes a lot of sense to have it as a, as a cloud, um, you know, SaaS tool. Um, and, and beyond that, even I think Microsoft Azure offers other versions of, of Azure for you know like government or you know you could even do um, sort of a private hosting situation where. That's a little bit special. Uh, but so we typically try to move people towards that. And once they hear the price tag of doing something on-prem, they really kind of reconsider that whole thought process. Yeah. And, and I mean, pretty much, you know, your your monthly costs are, you know, on a per user basis, anywhere from 5 to maybe $40 a month, depending on the package and plan that they pick. Um, is that 
at what point, or I guess with, with what number of users, does it sort of become a little bit more of a custom deployment? Um, or, or, you know, at, with your enterprise plan that you've got there, does that work even for thousands of users typically? Or, um, you know, what are the kind of different user count levels you think that fit, that fit those plans? Yeah. So, you know, and we've worked really hard on those, those plans, those features. Uh, we talk about those constantly. We're always, we're always looking at, um, does this package fit like, you know, almost like fit like a glove? Does it really, mm-hmm. does it really cater to a specific use case or type of customer that, that could use it? Um, so we try not to make it too, too, I guess, markety where people are always being pushed to the next plan up. You know, they're hopefully they're, they're comfortable fits and they're, they're something where you can really take it and use it for your use case. Um, that said, the pricing really, uh, there are limitations uh, and it costs us money to send alerts, right? People think, okay, well, hmm. how, why is it so expensive? Well, it, you know, it costs money to, to send a phone call from here to India, you know, or something like that. So, yeah. um, so there's definitely costs involved and, you know, we're not always making a ton of money on, on especially some of the, the lower plans, but, um, yeah. So, but they're, they're price per user per month. Uh, I think there's discounts for annual and then, um, you know, and, and you asked about user count, like it's all over the board. Um, we'll have enterprises sign up with just a few users, but you know, they can expand very quickly. Whereas, you know, we'll have maybe a small business or an MSP sign up with, you know, 10 users and they'll be like that forever. So yeah. it kind of depends. It kind of depends. And, in uh, even in enterprises, especially you'll see, you know, maybe one team sign up as a pilot program or even a department kind of pilot it. And then, and it's, that's a smart way to do it. Uh, and then they'll roll that out organization wide or, or they'll just kind of expand it slowly year over year. Okay. Yeah. And it seems like, you know, so from a customer standpoint, the type of customers you're, you're looking to connect with, obviously folks managing a lot of data centers. Um, we talked about healthcare and that use case a little bit. There's opportunities in fleet management um, just because of all the solutions and systems out there for managing fleets that you could hook up to, I assume, right? Um, I think there's probably use cases around uh, IoT and such, uh, managing alerts like those sort of systems. Um, are there any particular sort of uh, customer industries you think that that um, you're really strong fit for that you're looking to connect with? Um, you know, like I said, I think anything where there's going to be some, some revenue driving the decision, right? So there's, mm-hmm. there's, um, uh, site reliability engineers, there's, um, and you know, the people just making sure that, that things stay online, right? That, that the, maybe it's an e-commerce store and, and that needs to stay online. Uh, there's a lot of companies, believe it or not today, even pizza companies that have e-commerce stores. Mm-hmm. So it's like, everybody's online trying to sell stuff online. Um, that stuff needs to stay online. Um, you know, beyond those basic, you know, popular use cases, um, there's, yeah, like you said, IOT use cases, but you know, and and there's always new use cases coming up, um, just because we, we never see the same thing twice. It's really interesting. There's, there's so many use cases out there and there's so many different ways to use the tool that we really, we really spend a lot of time with each and every customer, making sure that we have a solution that, that helps them solve a problem. Uh, we take them through their use case, build a response plan with them. Uh, and we, we take time to just make sure that they're, they're taken care of. You're going to get, you're going to get that kind of treatment probably on our premium plan and up, uh, especially if you're on an enterprise plan, 
you're going to get white glove onboarding. You know, we're mm-hmm. going to make sure that we help you with all the integrations. We help you add your teams, add your users, configure everything. We have a success team that does a really great job at that. So, you know, from, from that perspective, there's, there's a ton of different use cases and we'll kind of walk you, we'll kind of walk through that with you and strategize around some of those. Um, and you're not alone, right? Like we work, we're working with fortune, fortune 1000 companies that are still coming to us and saying, Hey, I, I have this idea, you know, it's like, okay, you have an idea, let's work on it. Uh, and you know, if, if we need to fix something, we will, if we need, if, if we need to improve our platform, we will. Well, and it seems to me, you know, y'all's uh, pricing levels are, are very reasonable, and, and I think that it should be easy for folks to get a high ROI um, using your software. So even if people just have a small team of a couple people uh, managing their systems, you know, they could get two, three licenses or even one license and um, probably get a lot of value out of it. Uh, you know, it's not something where they have to go and spend, um, you know, huge amounts of money just to see an impact from it. Um, at least, you know, just from what I can tell. Um, and I guess I could see a lot of, uh, benefit to potential partners you could work with out there. I mean, obviously software development companies and technology consulting companies such as ours, um, you know, we could help clients use it, but I imagine any sort of, uh, anywhere from hardware vendors to, um, you know, system system implementers, data migration teams, data integration uh, folks really could all um, help their clients use this kind of tool. Yeah, and I, and I would say you know there's there's sort of two different um, two different I guess primary umbrella use cases, and one of those is sort of continual you know continual delivery, almost like a DevOps use case where mm-hmm. you're developing something or, or something needs to be migrated or, you know, you need to track something, um, something made it to production that shouldn't have, you need to alert, you know, the dev team or, you know, things like that. And then the whole other side of that's the operational side. That's just, you know, people that are on call kind of maintaining the status quo, making sure everything's online. Um, so there's kind of two different ways and then the use cases get really, um, yeah, interesting. Yeah, Definitely. Well, cool. So, yeah, folks uh, are in one of the industries we've talked about or they have those sort of use cases or if there are um, companies out there that might be looking to partner and and bring in your solution for their customers. Uh, the website is alertops.com um, and there's a ton of information. You talked about a lot of your content and such that you create out there. Um, so they can go out there and, and check out uh, that content. Um, also... We talked about uh, if folks go to alertops.com slash demo to sign up for a demo, if they mention um, this podcast or mention Unstoppable, that they can get a 20% off discount by checking out your demo there. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, uh, feel free to head over to alertops.com slash demo. Uh, just mention Unstoppable. Um, all those requests go to me. I, I, I see all of those anyway, and I'll you know, we'll make sure that that 20% discount does get applied if, you know, if you do decide that it's it's um, something you want to use. Great. Yeah, so thanks so much for being on the show, Nate. We appreciate you coming on talking about your software, talking about AlertOps. Sounds like you've got a great team there, a really exciting product that people are going to be able to get a lot of value out of. And uh, we hope we can stay in touch and talk more about some of the new tools you all are building and, and some of the case studies you run into as, as you go. Yeah, thanks so much, Sam. Thanks for having me. And, uh, you know, much success to you at Unstoppable. 
Thank you. Thank you for tuning in to Unstoppable Talk. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast. If you did, be sure to support the show by leaving a five-star review on iTunes. And learn more about this show by heading over to unstoppablesoftware.com. Until next time, keep innovating.